I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll kick things off with an update from the Shriners Children's Open this past weekend. Tom Kim takes it down for a second straight year. A pretty solid top 10 leaderboard. We'll run down that. And then the other big storyline from this past week was Lexi Thompson getting a sponsor's invite into this tournament. Could she make the cut? The first woman to ever do so. We'll break down what her Thursday round looked like and what she did to rally on Friday. Other news we have in golf, we got the TGL really starting to take shape. We got all 24 members named, some really big names, and we'll talk about what we think that thing's going to look like. It's going to be an indoor simulator league birthed by Rory and Tiger. I got a lot of high hopes for it. We also have the Netflix Cup, which was just announced, a meshing between F1 and PGA Tour, a live stream event. Should be a lot of fun to watch. And then we'll close out the episode with an upcoming BPO Ghost Tour in downtown Frederick. If you haven't seen the episode of I Think You Should Leave the Ghost Tour, you need to go watch it because that is exactly what it's going to be like for us. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be back on next week to tell you how it went. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. We got some fun stuff coming up this winter. Make sure to follow along. All right, the boys are back. A little off-season update. Not a lot of golf going on, but we got some things going on in the golf world. Let's turn the clock back to this past weekend. The Shriners Open, Shriners Children's Open, the 2023 edition. We're past the Ryder Cup. We're past all the FedEx Cup playoffs. So these are just events for guys to pick up points, to have better position going into next season, get some more exemptions. Uh, But speaking about the guys, I think the biggest storyline of the week was actually a woman, Lexi Thompson, becoming, what, the seventh player to ever play in a, in a PGA-sponsored event. She gets a sponsor's exemption. I think coming into this, there was a lot of hype around Lexi. We know Lexi Thompson hits the ball pretty far. She actually averaged, like, a little over 305 yards off the tee this week, which I thought was really impressive. But I thought, like, this might be the first real opportunity for a woman to make a cut in a PGA Tour. Michelle Wee came pretty close. We know she was the longer was really long in her her day and age. Lexi has a pretty dismal Thursday. Shoots a couple over, but not terrible. Keeps herself kind of in it. She's still beating like 20 or 30 guys at this point, which I think is just great whenever you can see that. She goes into Friday knowing she's going to have to make a run. I think through her first like 12 holes, she's something like 4 under par. She gets to 2 under overall. Cut line looks like it's kind of wavering at 2 and 3 under. She comes home a little flat, couple bogeys here and there, doesn't birdie the par 5 18th. But all in all, I think just an incredible week for Lexi. We saw her coming into this off of a, a pretty good Solheim Cup. And I think she, what she represents in the women's game and trying to mesh the men's and women's game is really incredible. I want to hear your guys' thoughts and what you thought about Lexi this week. Yeah, I mean, I think her performance Friday kind of reset our expectations. 
I think going into it, a lot of people were calling this a gimmick and like a PR stunt. And if she breaks 160 over two days, it'll be impressive. And so for her to go out there, I mean, didn't play well, but put together a a decent enough round for what we were expecting of her. And then kind of an unreal round. I mean, what's the best round shot by a woman in a PGA event? It had to be somewhat close to that. That's it. There was 69 69. where a couple tied it up. And, and, I mean, it, it, it truly is incredible. And, and what's different about this one, too, than the Michelle Wee days is, like, it's not like she's on top of the women's game. I mean, this is almost, like, two, three years too late for Lexi as far as her being in her prime. She was coming off a really solid performance at the Solheim, but generally a pretty lackluster year by her standards. So for her to go out there and, and compete was pretty impressive. See, that was my big issue with it. It felt like this whole, her being on there and getting this opportunity was three, four years too late. You know, she has, you know, didn't have a great year this year. We saw her when we went down to congressional for uh, the women's PGA where like she had, should have won it, you know, could have ran away with it and just kind of collapsed and didn't win that. You know, it just felt like she doesn't, you know, she's kind of maybe past her peak based off what we have seen. She could obviously still very young, could have a resurgence by all means, but it just felt like it was too late. Felt like you almost fully expected at least for me that oh she's gonna do something and then you're just it's gonna implode she's like friday being the perfect example she got to i think four under with right like on the cut line maybe even like one or one shot above it and then just kind of fell off some couple bogeys and not capitalizing on the par five it was just like ah that's exactly what i would have expected to happen yeah i was impressed that like we were talking about a little bit we started recording but like she's playing she's playing the same tees as all the guys are but yet like the driver in the distance isn't what like got to her this week it's like the chipping and the putting that's kind of where she struggles and where like you could kind of see a a, more of a difference between her and and some of the other guys that she was playing against this weekend which in theory should be like the great equalizer kind of thing yeah i mean she was there was like a par four that on friday that was playing like 300 yards and she drove it yeah yeah what was her driving average compared to the average field i mean she was giving up what like 10 20 yards so she averaged 305 and i think that put her at like 109th in the field out of 130 so i I mean right off the bat and that's just what's always going to be there is she's given up 20 yards a hole and And so she's always playing behind but then you wonder like she's 109 and she's ahead of 20 guys Right. So how are those 20 guys ever supposed to be able to compete? Because Lexi <laughs> actually, point. actually Lexi gained strokes, gained approach to the green in both rounds. Yeah. I think that speaks to like what a generational ball striker she is. I never, I never realized how good of an iron player she was. I kind of always thought it was just bomb and gouge wedge play and hope to make a couple putts. She's an incredible iron player and it really showed this week. And I, I think we talk about this with like maybe Denny McCarthy uh, Kevin Kisner a little bit like they just don't hit the ball far enough so they have to be so sharp in every other part of their game and that's kind of very similar to what what it would take for a woman to be out there competing and making cuts and and being in the mix and certainly there's plenty of of women just as good if not better than Lexi is that could have done something similar and Lexi putted pretty good her short game I mean maybe a couple strokes here and there which ultimately led to her probably not making the cut. But I just, Lexi's extremely long. I mean, Lexi hit it 305 yards on average this week. I mean, that's longer than most golfers I know, right? I mean, especially, you know, these guys out on tour are hitting it pretty far because they're concentrating on distance and core strength and stuff like that. But averaging 305 off the tee is, is just crazy impressive. There's only maybe eight to 10 women in the world that can hit it that far that consistently. 
And so if you're not hitting it that far at a minimum, I'm not sure how you can compete out here. And her playing the same tees, I mean, and flirting with the cut line, I think was just really impressive. And, and the other area that really stood out to me where she was kind of at a disadvantage is some of these really long par threes. There's one that I, I think it was as she was chasing that cut line, one of her last few holes maybe played 240. Yeah. And she hit a like a beautiful shot in there, but she's hitting a hybrid or long iron. She just couldn't hold the green because, you know, she's got to use a longer club than somebody else and hit a, like I said, a perfect shot and just wasn't rewarded because, you know, you can't hold greens from that distance with those kinds of clubs. Yeah, I think the argument about distance isn't always just with driver. It's about the rest of the clubs, right? It's being 150 yards out and being able to hit a pitching wedge when maybe Lexi's hitting like a hard nine, soft eight. Maybe not that extreme of an example, but with a 240-yard hole, I think a lot of these guys are hitting like big draw six irons to hit the front of the green and chase back, and Lexi's just hitting, you know, balls to the wall and a three iron and can't even hold the, hold the green, so... I can attest to that when I'm playing with Ben and Dub and I'm hitting a seven <laughs> iron and they're hitting knockdown pitching wedges. Because like the distance with driver, right, comes at a cost for accuracy. So as long even you know, you got your Rory's and your Abergs and your Hovlands and your Scotties, guys that hit the ball really far and really straight. But outside of that, distance usually comes with his disadvantages. But distance is huge when it comes to shots from one fifty to two hundred yards. I really think she did a lot for more of this happening in the future. Like, I think she kind of was a a good case study of, I, I don't know the numbers, but it at least had my attention in a tournament I would not oh otherwise God, yes. be watching. And did you continue to watch into the weekend? No. <clears throat> I was just curious. Um, so f- watching her fight the cut line and, and even just the fact she was out there, and I, why don't we have mixed events, like team events? Like, uh, yeah, I think I heard someone say a President's Cup that's mixed. Yeah. And you go out there and, and everything's equalized if you have a, a male, female playing together. Like, you can just play. You don't have to worry about distance. And Is there any case for her playing up a tee box? In, or any woman that comes and plays one of these events of playing up a tee box? Obviously, I feel like it would have to be maybe very course-specific where, like, they would still have to have similar, like, oh, you have to carry it over this water or something like that if it's a one of those kind of holes, but is that how you make it a little bit more of a thing, or is it better if she has to go and fight that distance? Yeah, I think you have to play the same tee boxes if you're, if if you're, you're doing a, If you're giving, like, points out or, like, I mean, the fall series this year, give, it means, like, a lot for these guys trying that were outside of that top, what was it, like, 75 after yeah, yeah. the win on last year. Like, they're, they're fighting to, like, get into the big events next year. And you can't really, like, pull something like that for That's even fair. these fall events where no one's watching. Isn't that also a case for, like, her not to be in it? As well, yeah. if, well, if yeah, you're gonna, sure. if with how they restructured totally. it, I yeah, that's I was kind of going back and forth on whether I, I mean, I thought it was great, and like you guys said, it, it really piqued my interest on Thursday and Friday when I was watching. But could that spot go to someone else who's trying to fight for a card? And and I don't know, especially at this, this time of in golf where everyone's like kind of concerned about money and where they where they stand on yeah. tour and what events they can get in, and which ones they can't get in. I know it was just a sponsor's exemption, so maybe I'm just fighting against more of, like, giving out sponsor's exemptions. But I don't know, especially the fact that a guy who Monday qualified finished in the top 10 this week, like, that kind of shows that anyone can go out there and and win on any given weekend. Yeah, I think I always thought that sponsor's exemptions took away from the potential for someone else to get in. But generally speaking, sponsor's exemptions don't do that. They set the field, and then they ask additional people to play. I learned that by listening to a podcast podcast. Steph Curry, he's played in a couple Corn Ferry and I don't know if PGA, I think just Corn Ferry yeah, events. And he said, 
having to like knock that pug public stigma about me taking a spot away from someone when really I'm just being asked as an additional plus one. So no one else was getting into this tournament. Lexi didn't take the spot away from anyone. She's just asked to play. And it certainly is like a media stunt, but it's got, it's, it's compelling. Like I think we said, we probably would not have been watching this at all because it's a fall event. There's some compelling golfers. Like maybe if that Monday qualifier was, was three shots ahead going into Sunday or something, it might be worth watching to see how he holds up or a, an up and coming star, but there's not much else going on. And then I wanted to go back to the question about like women playing different tees in these events. And I think it loses its allure when they do that because like we have like the Scandinavian mixed event, which where women and men compete, women play a different set of tees than the men. There's nothing to that event. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to compare apples to apples when you don't know how the course is playing from the women's tees versus from the men's tees. And I think one year the top 10 was nothing but men. And the next year the top 10 was nothing but women. So it's all about how the course kind of sets up. So I'm all for the men and women playing the same tees, but I really think there are only probably a dozen golfers on the women's side that can compete from these distances. I think they got to find the course. There's plenty of courses that distance isn't an advantage, right? Like like a spyglass or something like that, where you have a lot of dog legs, a lot of places you can't hit the ball. I think that'd be a good place to integrate them. Even the Hilton Head tournament, yes, one. It's all, all the Arbor trees. Town's a great yeah, one. Got to have you know a pretty accurate everything off the tee, where a lot of people you know put the driver away a lot of times. Tobacco Road, Tobacco Road. I'm <laughs> that's, straight that's driver <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> now I, I am curious. I don't know if anyone knows this answer, but like, what would have happened if she won this? Like, she goes out there and, and manages to win this tournament. Like, does she then get exemptions into, like, every PGA Tour event yeah, kind of thing as a winner? A, like, a, a PGA is, Tour member. Is that how it, it, uh, honest question, is that Temporary how it would work? Temporary status, yep, exemptions, yep. She gets All to play in the Masters next year? Like, is that how it would work? Probably not the Masters. Yeah. They probably have some weird rules, but. <laughs> yeah, she's coming in as, with professional status, yeah. Is that, okay. Professional I mean, status is the same across women's and men's. Okay, interesting. That would be wild. That would have been wild. I mean, and she had such a good chance to make this cut. I mean, I don't want to downplay her back nine on Friday because it wasn't bad and it wasn't sloppy. It was just kind of the distance catching up to her a little bit with some of these long par threes and long par fours, her having a six and seven iron into a par four instead of a pitching wedge for the guys. She actually played incredible this week and her ball striking was off the charts. Like like par fives are actual par fives for her. Yeah, she can't get home in two. And she these other guys were, you know, driver seven iron yeah. on a five fifty yard yep. hole and she's gotta lay up. And so you lose a stroke right there. Yep. All right, let's also talk about Tom Kim, who takes the tournament for the second year in a row. I mean, the guy hasn't quite shown up in the big events yet, but I think he's probably just at the start of his career. I think Tom Qu- Tom Kim is such an interesting character. I mean Hate him or love him. In his post post round interview on Sunday, they asked him how he was going to celebrate because now he's 21 and he won in Vegas last year. He was 20 when he won in Vegas, so the questioning I'm sure was beating around the bush of like, what are you going to have Losing to drink, up. even though you can't. But now you're 21. What are you going to do? And Tom Kim goes, I can't wait to get back to my hotel room and eat this piece of chocolate I've been oh, saving. And it was like, Tom Kim, man, you had an opportunity here to win some, and he probably did win some fans with that comment, but I don't know if there anyone sitting around this table was like, man, I'm in love with Tom Kim now. Him and Scotty Scheffler, same in my <laughs> book now. They're just too nice. Oh, it was grandma's chocolate? <laughs> I mean, shit, a little hard candy maybe? Yeah, so I, I think we kind of look at Tom Kim, like you just said, like hasn't shown up in the big events, and that's because we put so much pressure on him. After we watched him at the President's Cup last year, he was kind of the international hero and then he wins. This would have been the first tournament last year after yep. the President's Cup, or he won the first tournament after the President's Cup. And it's like he's the next big thing and then kind of went in a bit of a cold spell. But he was he had two top tens in majors, That's finished top T second yeah. at the Open this year. And so definitely a guy kind of quickly figuring it out and how to compete. 
Yeah, he missed the in terms of majors, he missed the cut at the PGA, but I feel like that's always a weird one. A lot of people miss the cuts, and then his worst finish was then T sixteen at the Masters. Wow. So, so he did very well in the big events. He just didn't win it like maybe we thought he would. But I feel like he's one of those guys. He's hard to hate. I don't understand how anyone can like hate Tom Kim. Like I know Colin, not a big fan of the, the chocolate uh, thing, <laughs> you know, wanting, wanting maybe a little bit more out of him there. But like, he just seems like he's just in like enjoying life, happy to be there. Maybe he doesn't enjoy life the same way we enjoy life. Maybe Tiger Woods wasn't a very tantalizing figure. He was young either because these guys just take this shit so serious. They have no off days. They have no off hours. Tom Kim probably doesn't drink. He might drink like occasionally, but he probably never Soccer. will drink. Like I just imagine him being a guy that's so hyper focused on golf. Yeah. He likes to eat though. He's a big eater. Apparently. He's lost a little weight, right? Because yeah. it was like him and Sungjae. Like I think they went on a diet together because they were like indulging too much when they went to these tournaments. He's he's one of those guys that always posts that like calf picture or like check yeah. out these tree trunks this guy has like. Just like genetically blessed, like yeah. doesn't really work out that much. But he's, I mean, he's great for the game. You either have to be this like engaging kind of fun character, or you just have to be great. And that's how people enjoy following your career and and make things more interesting. And he definitely is. I mean, he's brings the electricity. He definitely seems like someone on tour that everyone else likes and gets along with. Yep. I will say my one gripe with him is he's a little <laughs> slow. <laughs> Like, mentally yeah. no like <laughs> Whoa. when he plays golf he's very methodical. Ben likes to say deliberate deliberate methodical i mean there was one hole on friday where he hit it out of bounds and he took so long to figure out where he needed to drop and hit his second shot his playing partners luke Liss and someone else they chipped up putted out and finished the hole before he even hit his second shot into the hole he was distracted by the chocolate back in his hotel room Give i mean a break. I, that's worried. that's pretty bad yeah, but if he's but if he screwed up the drop and to get the drop he wanted, he might not have won the tournament. So, sure. so, so he's slow and deliberate. At, at what point does he have to start worrying about mandatory service? It's like what question. what age does that? I think it's like twenty seven. Uh, he's, so he's got some time. He's got some time. I don't know. Are the Asian Games annually or, or what are those? I think you have to serve like twenty months before you're thirty. I think that sounds right. Why, so why didn't he play in this past? He didn't want to steal any valor from uh, his okay. his. Yeah, but maybe he didn't make maybe cut. maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. he would have taken a spot from one of them or oh, something so like that. Like, it's like you guys take your time. I got, you guys I got this time. one. Yeah. I'm gonna win gold at the Olympics or win a medal at the Olympics. It's like this is your guys' last chance, year, so yeah. I'm gonna let you play in this and yeah. I'll play next maybe year. Just a DC, nice, just yeah. a nice guy, nice guy, Tom. Yeah, but I mean, if it's 30, he's got plenty of time theoretically, especially with the introduction of those. You know, gives him a little extra time. Maybe maybe he'll need that pressure on his like back when he's getting you know maybe a little older to. Win an Olympic medal yeah. or something like that. Another cool thing about Tom Kim is he has Ricky's old caddy on the bag. Yep, Skoranek. Yep. I think it's been great for him. I mean, I think that the reasons we think maybe Lexi doesn't compete that well because of her distance, Tom Kim's also pretty short, but I think he's in the kind of similar conversations like Colin Morikawa with how good he is with his irons. Like Morikawa, like a, bit, a little bit of a prettier swing, I would say. But Tom Kim, he's just absolutely, his swing is so on plane. He's an incredible iron player. So when you're 160 yards out, he's really comfortable like taking on pins. The weeks where your irons aren't on, which probably is more more weeks than not, maybe that's why he hasn't like won a major yet. But the weeks he's on, I think he's going to have quite a few wins under his belt. Do you think Max Holma attended this event? I know he was in Vegas. He was tweeting about uh, you know, <laughs> how, how he handles, how boys trips go for him, kind of similar to us. Do you think he went out and was just like boozing it up on the course watching these guys? Not with the kid. No, he's probably, I don't think he was on a boys trip. Oh, he's on the boys. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what the tweet was for. Yeah, 
Maybe. Uh, Maybe they were just like in a press box. Just, just, just yeah. getting ham. <laughs> yeah, my guess is there are a lot more fun things to do in Vegas than go to the Shriners. But <laughs> I don't know. Hey, for, you, never for know. It, you never know. Like just like the early recovery kind of thing. Yeah. Rather than, I mean, they, they have to have like a, you know, some blackjack tables in those, you know, sweet boxes, right? Oh, I'm sure. I would. So let's look at this rest of this top 10, then we'll move on. Um, Adam Hadwin coming in second. In T3, we got Eric Cole, Alex Noren, JT Poston, and Taylor Pendrith. So, like, some decent names for an off-season event. T7, we got Joel Damon, Cam Davis, Chesson Hadley, Bo Hostler, and then that Monday qualifier you talked about, Isaiah Salinda. It's pretty impressive, right? Shooting 17 under in a PGA Tour event after Monday qualifying. I mean, you know, I didn't know this until I looked it up, and I don't know about this tournament specifically, but I would say it's probably, like, 75% of Monday qualifiers don't actually occur at the course they play. They, they occur at an off-site yeah. course, which I always thought was interesting, right? Because when you see a guy Monday qualify shoot 62, you're like, oh, man, like, what a sleeper pick. And it's like, oh, shit, he played, like, the dirt track down Glade the street. Valley? Yeah. What? <laughs> so, like, maybe he actually won't play that well this week. So that's probably a lot of Monday qualifiers don't do that well because it wasn't actually on the course. Then rounding out T7, we got KH Lee. And then a couple decent names, Ludwig Aberg, Nick Taylor. there. Oh, sorry, Ludwig O'Bear, Luke List, and yeah, top top twenty rounded out. You know, not a bad week, you know, one point five million to the winner, nine hundred k to second. Right, these are just the events. These guys got to pick up points to try and get themselves into some of the signature events next year. Do we need to uh, submit a formal apology to Luke List after we did? A I don't think we do. The Ryder Cup, Colin. You're saying comment. this like you weren't part of the. Yeah, I think that's when, why Ken ducked tonight. When right? Ken <laughs> announced the name, Colin and I in in symphony were like, nah. <laughs> Hey, he won. He won last week. He's playing good golf. He's, well, he's inspired. Would golf. I take him for the Ryder Cup at this point? Absolutely, not. absolutely not. He's playing inspired golf ever since he listened to our last episode. <laughs> so let's uh, first. Then I want to look at some of these people that Lexi Thompson beat. I think this is going to be an interesting list. Okay, behind Lexi Thompson, we have Andrew Landry, Jimmy Walker, Ben Griffin, Dylan Wu, Kramer Hickok. Just naming off some random names: Andrew Putnam, Ches Reevy, Ryan Armour. Peter Quest, a name that we saw a little while ago, was like a, a rookie on si tour. Siwoo Kim. Siwoo Kim. Harry Higgs. David Lipsky. Nick Watney. Oh, my. C.T. Pan. who Patrick Rogers. These are some big. Jim Herman. These are some names of guys that have played really well in PJ Tour in the past. Well, she, she didn't beat Patrick Rogers. He withdrew. It's different, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> C.T. Pan and Patrick Rogers. You get a pass this time, but you better watch yourselves. <laughs> You're just on notice, right? Kevin now. Streelman, Carson Young, Tyson Alexander. I mean, these are some up and coming guys. I mean, just impressive. I would say it's not as much a knock on them because Lexi is just uber talented. But just, you know, what, coming into this event, the narrative was like, this is a promotional thing getting Lexi in here. Is she going to break 160 kind of thing? Yeah, she shoots even par and misses the cut by three and had a real chance. And she beat a lot of really talented PGA Tour golfers. One sixty was is a bit of an egregious, like that people were saying that. Like that's like I get it, you know. Historically, I meant to say one fifty. They don't do great, but one sixty feels one fifty was I think the the over under. Yeah, okay. I mean, the course played seventy three hundred yards, so not short by any means. <laughs> They're probably playing at like sixty seven, sixty eight on the LPGA Tour most weeks. So an extra five six hundred yards, forty fifty yards per hole kind of thing. It's impressive stuff. And averaging three hundred five, I'm pretty sure Lexi came out this week and was like. We're just going to need to hit driver everywhere, and we're going to need to hit it good. And luckily for her, she's one of the best drivers in the game. One of those names you mentioned, Jimmy Walker, I believe a couple of weeks ago, had a few choice words for how dumb the fall series is <laughs> and how it's set up. <laughs> so I just want to so call what, that out. what is the fall series now? Is this like the new schedule we're in, or yeah. is this still the remnants of the old? I think 
this week is the Zozo is the start of like the official fall schedule and like the new everything, like how that's all going to work. So like the top 50 on the FedEx Cup have qualified for everything from last year. 51 to 60, I think, qualified for AT&T through like Genesis, I think is what it is. Then everyone outside of that has to, you know, have a whatever, you know, some level of a performance. I think they have to be like in the top 50 or something in the fall series to then qualify for um, that like first wave of events. I think the one twist here is that points for this upcoming season kind of reset at the century. So you have all these events now to get guys into ranking points Uh, to then set the landscape for the next full year, which will be the nine months starting in 20 in in January. So, so the season is now calendar year. Yes. Versus not even a full season. season Right. So this is like, this is a limb. We're in a bit of a limbo here where like these, these events are essentially pointless for the top points getters because they've already qualified for all the events next year. So it's just people trying to gain status to get into better tournaments next year, and then points start fresh with the century. So the uh, the upcoming schedule's a little interesting. With the um, what's the is it the hero coming up? Where there's a lot of big names playing and a one remaining sponsor exemption. Uh, yeah, I don't. Are you, are you buying for <laughs> I, that sponsor exemption? I am like, are you going to get it? I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> Go Still on. What, I, I don't know call. what the hell this you're going to say here. I told myself at like the Masters this year when Tiger was limping up and down the fairways that I was not going to. you gonna, could make the I was, hero? No, that I was not going to get excited again <laughs> for when he inevitably people start talking about him coming back and when he's coming back. So now that it's all starting up again, I'm telling myself that I'm not going to get hyped about it again. Pretty sure the list is Tiger and then it goes Colin Mummer and then it's like <laughs> Lexi so yeah and then we saw him out in the call of duty sweatshirt playing what is that called the, the hay, hay the hay the, the little part three pebble beach pebble. with charlie I, he's swing looks good every yeah. time around this year when the hero challenge that lineup comes out everyone starts getting hyped for tiger again there's just something about tiger's new walk where i feel like he could walk a little more normal but it's he chooses it's but more he, of a strut but i feel like was. he could like if it was us like normal people out in public, we'd try harder to walk normal because yeah. we didn't want people to see us limping. Tiger's like, just the way I walk now. It's just yeah. how it is. I'm just going to leave that there. All right, let's jump into other stuff going on in the, the world of golf, right? We got the TGL, the new partnership from Rory and Tiger, I guess, are the headliners. But we got 24 golfers now signed up. Let's go through this list. We don't know what's going to happen here, but this list is pretty impressive. It goes Tiger, Rory, John Rahm, Morikawa, JT, Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Rosie, Scotty, Adam Scott, Xander, Homa, Tyrrell, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky, YTK, Billy Horschel, Keegan Bradley, Cam Young, Sahit Tagala, Minwoo Lee, mm. Patrick Cantlay, Kevin Kisner, Wyndham Clark, and Lucas Glover. I mean, you, you've got a lot of different generations. You've got a lot of golf talent. From what we know, it's going to be some kind of 3v3 thing done in a stadium, maybe on a simulator, maybe with some short game area. We got four teams right now that we know of. We got the LAGC, LA Golf Club, Boston, the Atlanta Drive, and the New York team. So I don't know if there are going to be four more teams announced or if we're going to have multiple teams from these different locations. But we got 24 guys, and we're probably going to be doing 3v3, so we probably got eight teams. I think it's going to be pretty fun. I don't know. I think I'm not going to underestimate how much fun it's going to be because I think there's a lot of chance here that it's actually a really fun competitive environment i have a big fear that it's just going to be steph curry's uh holy moly all over again kind of thing where it's just going to feel awkward kind of gimmicky and just not like we're gonna tune in because of the names you just listed off but i just don't see 
how it doesn't feel like a weird like video game kind of situation that doesn't doesn't quite land. Do we do we know the premise? Like, is it just Top Golf like hitting closest to the pin? Kind I, of. I, we don't know anything about it. Oh, I feel okay. like at this I, point, like we've just seen that like rendered image of like the stadium, quote unquote, they're playing in. I guess, but like, there's not much out there. It's all speculation. I think I could see him spinning a wheel for what club they're supposed to hit in certain certain situations, but I think it probably. I see more of a big break than I see a holy moly. I see high-level golfers, not just like random people. And I think there's a lot of potential here. I do. I'm I'm worried that it's going to be like the match on TNT, which like I don't think makes where they for get great too TV. competitive and then they like stop the talking that you're kind of listening for. I don't even or? think they get no. I don't think they get competitive on that match. They're just like I think the like back and forth talk. Them being mic'd off, get, mic'd up gets like really corny a lot of the times because I don't think these guys are really that good at trash talking. So I hope it's more like serious, more on the lines of like a professional event than just like, let's mic these guys up and have them go hit on a simulator. Yeah. Uh, one area of growth that I'm kind of hopeful for and, and not to always be this guy, but like, where's Lexi? Where's Nelly Corda? Like Danielle Kang, like some of those really iconic female players that would probably do really well in an event like this I agree. and bring a whole new audience and crowd to this sort of thing that they don't, they wouldn't otherwise have. I'm sorry, but Lucas Glover and Kevin Kisner and, I don't know, Wyndham Clark, they're just, like, not getting it done for me. I agree. Bring in the top ladies. Bring in the top juniors. I don't know. Yeah. Bring in Charlie Woods, Dan. Bring in Charlie Woods. Absolutely. Like, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. And I think... Because Charlie can shit talk. That's what we do know. It's like the first year of live. Not that compelling. And it's starting to get better, right? I don't know. I think the whole argument of trying to legitimize live is, like, this really, you know, official professional golf tour. I think that's probably where it gets off the rails for me. But it is a really great product. It's got really amazing golfers. They play good golf courses, and it's fast-paced. I think that's what we're going for here, but we're not trying to get world golf ranking points out of TGL. You don't thing. know that yet. You <laughs> yeah, don't know that it's yet. It's like maybe they'll get them. If Liv gets them, then TGL T- should get T- them. Tiger's trying to get back up to number one overall. <laughs> that's how Tiger gets back into all the majors, TGL. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for the team aspect. Like, I don't know, we talked about it in, uh, like, well, a lot when Liv first came out about the good and the bad of having teams in, introduced into golf, but I think – like, I was against Liv at that point, so I wasn't really that excited. You like, weren't a range goat yet. Yeah, I wasn't a range goat yet. But I, <laughs> Trans, yeah. I wasn't really, like, looking forward to any, like, the draft and team aspect. But I feel like this, where I, something like this, where I actually, like, am invested in these players that are going to com- be competing, like, to see which teams they're on, which teams have the players that I root for on them. It's going to be fun. Well, and, and we're fresh off the Ryder Cup, so a little bit of recency bias. But, like, do we love the Ryder Cup because it's U.S. versus Europe? Yeah, maybe. A little bit. But watching team golf is just thrilling because it's so different than normal stroke play. And sure, it doesn't need to be every week, but okay, maybe we get one of these team events out on a course like that's what it grows into. Like once or twice a year, we do a big team format event, play some four ball, foursomes, that kind of thing. I think that's actually probably where Liv falls is, is falls short the most is that it was promoted as this big team-oriented event. And surely the scoring is, but it's ultimately just a bunch of 48 guys going out there and playing stroke play. Yeah, and you kind of add it up at the end. And and yeah, maybe like the last four to six holes on the Sunday, you're kind of thinking a birdie here, birdie there, but it's quite hard to follow. In this instance, and in the Ryder Cup's instance, right, when you play team golf, it should be, if you're playing your own ball, it's match play. If you're playing alternate shot, it should be quick. It shouldn't be trying to do the math equation of what's going to happen these last three holes. Yeah, I mean, I think in the end, though, when it comes to this, you know, TGL, it's Tiger Woods swinging a golf club. Yeah. People are going to tune in. It's going to get great ratings. They've got to deal with ESPN to be like the broadcast of it. So 90% of, you know, 
the United States at least is going to have access to this. You know, everyone has that in some format these days. Tiger's the one that even, you know, people that don't follow golf tune in to watch kind of situation. So, like, it's going to, especially if you're going to compare it to, like, live and what they did with, you know, on the CW or their YouTube channel or whatever, it's going to blow them out of the water. And it's going to probably do phenomenal numbers, at least for the first few weeks. Well, and, and hopefully the broadcast goes with the kind of vibe they're going for and they don't shuffle, like, Azinger and, you know, whoever else out there is, mm. like, that is interesting. Give me the Rock. Give me Kevin Hart. Yeah, give me someone guys, fun. Um, give me Pat McAfee out there yes. calling some uh, calling some that's, golf. He is with ESPN, so <laughs> that's actually really <laughs> that possible. That very much could work. Uh, that is an interesting question. Have anyone seen anything about who would be hosting, I guess? No, but I do hope they go with the fun vibe. The yeah. younger, the try to get more people introduced to golf, right? We're S- talking. SVP would be a good one. Tiger, Great Rory, one. We're, we are available, just so you guys know, if you're listening. ESPN. I mean, I think in general, when we talk about like the next phase of golf is like going to a golf course is like, it's a bit of an intimidating exercise for someone that wants to get into golf. So you think about like, simu- it's an exercise. Yes, exactly. it is exercise, but you know, top golf's doing so well and indoor simulators are doing really well. Like people are going to watch TGL, want to learn how to play golf and know that you don't have to go to a golf course. It's not the only option. That's good. Get people off the golf course. So it's yeah. a little, little faster. <laughs> that would the be rest great. <laughs> shrink the game or whatever people say people people see like there's kids doing like tiktok dances on a golf course and people say shrink the game i love that shit it's our new motto so that thing starts up in january we'll have more to come here in the next couple months we'll keep you updated on what's going on the other big thing in kind of golf media is this new netflix cup that's coming up it should be a a cohesion of f1 racers and pga tour golfers playing golf together probably in like scramble formats and alternate shot formats we're going to see a lot of new faces. I mean, we know a few of the F1 guys, Hamilton, Castroneves, right? It'll be, but it'll be fun to meet these guys. And I know a lot of them are actually really good golfers too. Yeah. So this feels like more of the, the match, match to me, like that, that it's going to end up being. So I'm a little worried about, you know, how that this is going to go over more so than, you know, the TGL thing. Cause you know, these, you know, a few of them names, these are names you don't know. You don't have the, you're invested in these guys from like a golf perspective it's I'm a, I'm a little suspect of this. It feels like Netflix is just trying to, honestly, it's a thing like, oh, F1, they, you know, the, the series. Like, they, what are they, our two most successful they, series they, ever? Yeah, <laughs> Let's put I, them together. I don't think Full Swing maybe did quite as well. <laughs> no, no, no. So they're trying to like cap, bring the F1 people over to watch that. And it's, it just kind of feels like a ploy from them. Like but, two so, two semi-elitist sports. These guys should love this shit. Yeah, it's like, that's I, what they're thinking. I will say both those shows are very well done though. So maybe Netflix will like be a little better as far as production value compared to like TNT or whoever sure. does the match. No offense, Shaq and Charles Barkley, but you're just not getting it done <laughs> on the match. Do we know, is this going to be like a multi-episode event? Is it going to be like live, a movie? It's a li- live event. Live event. So, so it's it's, like, it'll be like watching TV. It's like a couple dozen guys out there kind of thing, scramble, multiple pairings. Yeah, might be decent. And I think the biggest shortfall of the match is that you have like two to four guys out there. And that's what, it's so hard to watch live golf if you don't have like 65 guests planned for in-between shots to keep things going. It's hard to watch. Yeah, and I guess they'll pair a F1 with a PGA player. And, you know, I'd love to see like an alternate shot in that format. Like I can just picture like Max Homa being like, what What the hell was that? Like you just put me over here <laughs> that in would the be tall grass. And, you know, kind of chirping his partner like a little uh, playfully like that. But <clears throat> the old Ken Ben 1-8. Yeah. <laughs> I did see Kyle Porter. Kyle Porter tweeted, right? CBS golf analyst tweeted, 
They really dropped the ball in this. The best thing they could have done was to put Ricky Fowler in an F1 car going 235 <laughs> yeah. miles. It's like maybe that's just the golfer in us speaking, but I think that'd be way more entertaining. Turns out the golf carts are actually hey, F1. Cool. They got the F1 engines in them. They're just zipping around. That's the Ready next uh, thing to go here. That So it's first a golf event, and then it's uh, – so this one's called, what, Drive to Swing or something, and then it's like full to Drive. To drive. <laughs> full Drive. God, I want to see these PJ Tour guys in a – like I would love – Just their cheeks and, dri- and, and driving they, 50 around And they think there, they're like, going really fast then <laughs> beside him. that would be great just buzzing the tower in the freaking uh, f1 car who's gonna who's gonna wave the flag the caution flag when yeah when jordan spieth ultimately runs into the wall all right then we'll round out the episode with some bpo news we got a ghost tour coming up this week guys <laughs> that I is mean, big news we are we are so excited about this everyone knows that i think you should leave skit where the guy goes in and just starts dropping curse words and f-bombs in the ghost tour because he thinks it's the adult he's Fucker. You said it was the adult ghost, or I mean, I don't know who's gonna do it first, but somebody's gonna do. <laughs> it's something. gonna be Tully. Looking around, looking around, like who's gonna do it? If there's anyone that's gonna be doing it, it's gonna be one of you two or Ken, assuming he's there, because you guys have watched that show more than anybody else. I can I see think. Ken doing it because he's like the he's like the Frederickite. He's like the down down. He's already guy. done this tour three times, so he can time it out perfectly. I, I have to it. say, I was so impressed with Dara the other night coming from oh, out yeah. of nowhere with I forget exactly what she said, but it <laughs> she was said, like, what did she say? Shit. So we can say that whatever what the, the hell, hell we want. Yeah. <laughs> she did. She was pretty mad. I didn't laugh at that. She goes, I need more credit on that. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, it was cool. It was cool. Where do we meet for this thing? I don't know much That's about a good it. Question. It's at Brewer's Alley. Is where uh, we just so sit there. We just sit at the bar. Before. Oh, is there a happy hour before? Oh, well, nice. I assume there can be. Yeah. I'm just trying to clarify. I'm planning one thing at a time here. Okay. <laughs> and how long is it? Ninety minutes. Whoa! So there's, is, or you got like a little car to pull us around or something? Like do I have to walk? Or you're walking. Ah, oh, shit! I have to put on my New Balances. <laughs> <sighs> Your Dr. Scholl's. Dr. Scholl's <laughs> inserts. Orthopedic, <laughs> arthritis, whatever. Goodness gracious. That's a lot of walking. Is there like benches and stuff to sit down on in the way? Oh, my God. Have you ever been to downtown Frederick? <laughs> it's pretty nice. <laughs> It'll be your first time. I'm going to roll my ankle six times, and I'm just going to blame the ghosts. Also, just <laughs> fully don't expect Frederick to be that haunted, but maybe maybe we'll be uh, our minds will be changed. What are you talking about? This? The Civil War they Medical Museum. Maryland's most haunted city, so... Who knows? Yeah, come to Frederick. <laughs> You're going to get haunted. All right, that does it for us here, guys. If you haven't, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. we got big things coming up this winter. Make sure you follow along. See you.